Well, we're glad that you're here, and last week we started a new series of lessons entitled The Whole Disciple, as you see here. And when we asked the question, you know, what is a disciple? You know, we hear about it, and it's probably the best description for those who are followers of Jesus. And it, in its quite literal meaning, it means a, a learner. Uh, but to be a disciple, it's, it's not, if I say I'm a disciple, then I can't just say, well, I'll just pick and choose certain things that I want to do and want to live by. No, no, no. There, there's a wholeness and wanting to be everything that Jesus was. And, and for, to be that in our lives. And as we stated last week, discipleship, it's not something that just happens overnight. Folks, it is an ongoing process. We are continually developing into the people that God wants us to be. But we've got to be dedicated to that idea. And so last week we started by talking about thinking biblically. Really, that's where it all begins. Because everybody has a worldview. Everybody has a way in which they look at the world, and that's where we develop our values. It's where we, we develop our beliefs. And so it's important that we have a belief system, a value system that is based on God's Word. And, and if you remember, last week I challenged you to do these four things. And I'm not going to make you raise your hand if you were here, whether or not you did these things this week. But I do want to ask you this. If you didn't do these things, are you really serious about being an all-out disciple of Jesus? This is about as simple as it gets when it comes to following Christ. And we can't do what we're going to talk about today unless we first get to this point in our lives. And that doesn't mean, okay, well, you know what? I read four times this week instead of five times. Look, it's not about, the Bible doesn't say, okay, you got to do five times. I just challenged you with something, okay? And I would love to see this become a real habit in your life because how can I know what God's will is for me in my life if I'm not reading it? And, and, and if I'm dependent upon Tracy and if I'm dependent upon Peyton or any of our teachers to tell me what I'm supposed to believe, then I'm not a true disciple of Jesus. I've really got to get into this thing. And, and when we talk about, you know, who we are and, and the covenant, we you know, talked about our covenant as a church family. And one of the things under the topic of I will serve in the ministry of my church, the very first thing, a part of that is I will study my Bible. And so if you want to be a part of this church, listen, we're challenging you. We're telling you, listen, this needs to be a part of who you are. And it's not because we said it, because we made some covenant about it. It's because this, we put this in because that's what God tells us, and we want to put that out before you. So a true disciple thinks biblically, and it's important because what we're talking about today is godly character. It's about godly character. Godly character can be defined as the ability to discern what is good and bad according to God's according to God. And, and how are we going to know that unless we, we study God's Word? And it's about surrendering your life. It's not just knowing what's right and wrong. It's about surrendering your entire life to that of Christ. It means I've got to quit, I've got to quit surrendering my life to myself. <laughs> I've got to surrender it to something bigger. And we look out in our world and we can say integrity is a real problem. Would you agree with that? 
Integrity is a real problem. So I went on and I thought, you know what? I want to look up the least trusted, the least trusted professions. And Gallup poll does this every couple of years. They, they put this out there among the American people and they say, Who, what professions are least trusted? Anybody want to guess what the number one least trusted profession? Lawyers. Wow, man. Adam, you're in trouble, brother. Um, no, members of Congress. There we go. <laughs> members of Congress. Anybody want to guess number two? It's not lawyers. What? A medium? No. Media. Oh, no, you're close, though. Uh, how about, who said car salesman? All right, Steve Hoskins. I wish I had a prize to give you, Steve. Um, we'll give you a discount at a car place. But anyway, car salesman. And so I went back and I looked at some of these uh, from the years past of the Gallup polls, and these two were always on the bottom. <laughs> I mean, just even there, there was a couple of polls I looked at that weren't Gallup, and these two were always on the bottom. Now, to show you a few more, Advertising practitioners, in other words, the advertisers that put out there, you know, in other words, we believe we don't really trust what they're telling us. Business executives, lawyers, there you are, uh, journalists. Now, let me say this because I think it's important. It doesn't mean that just because a person is in that profession that they are not trustworthy people, okay? Um, so you need to understand that. It's like one lawyer I heard say one time, he said, 99% of lawyers give the rest of us a bad name. And so, you know, that's what I'm, some of y'all get that later. But anyway, uh, but to, to, just to make you feel a little bit better, uh, clergy is not very far down. Yeah, we're right past nursing home operators. And actually, you know, you can go on these things and they'll tell you why these are not trusted professions by the American people. Again, this is just their general feeling of things. And this goes to the Roman Catholic sex scandals. This goes to Protestants who become Protestant leaders who are becoming more and more affiliated in politics and with politicians and political parties. And they look at this and they say, you know what? We don't trust clergy because of that. And it also shows us that the things that we do, it affects a big group of people, right? It affects a large group of folks. And so we could sit down and we could point fingers at, at folks and we could say it's their fault or it's their fault. But that's not what we're here to do, is it? We're here to look at ourselves and we need to ask ourselves about being disciples of Jesus. Where do I fall in these things? Do I ever steal from my employer, even if it's just some office supplies? Am I the kind of person who has cheated on their exams in school? Am I someone who is never on time for work? Or I'm always leaving early? Would we act differently if we knew that we, we, there were cameras on us? There's a, a, a British writer and politician, this was back in the 1800s, and you may have heard this quote before. He said, the measure of a man's character is what he would do if he would never be found out. Now, let me back up a little bit here. Slow down. Because all of us are a mixture of good and evil. All of us are a mixture of the flesh and the spirit. And there's a battle that goes on. Joe, when he gets in, back into 1 Peter next week, you know, eventually he's going to get to this passage. And, and there's a real struggle that we have 
He's talking to Christians. And there is a constant struggle of the flesh and the spirit. We all fall short of God's glory. We do. Even the people that we look at and we say they have the highest of integrity. Even they have flaws. Even they mess up at times. But godly character, a person with godly character, is always striving to do what is right. They're always wanting to do what God wants us to do. Turn in your Bibles over to Psalm 15. I know you're thinking, Psalm 15, we're going to talk about godly character? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Of course, you know me, I love to go into the Psalms. And I would tell you this is one of my favorite Psalms, but I say that to about most of them. Um, and so we come into this Psalm 15, and the psalmist begins, and he asks these two questions. Now imagine us as disciples of Jesus asking these questions. Oh Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He wants to know how does a God follower live their life? And if you go on and you read the rest of it, you realize he's really asking, how do we live a life of integrity? How do we live a life of faithfulness? The psalmist gives characteristics of someone who can come into the presence of God and he begins by saying, he who walks blamelessly and does what is right. Now, in the Psalms, this is known as a couplet, or really uh, Jewish poetry. It's known as a couplet. So there's two things that are being said, but they're basically saying the same thing. So blameless, someone who's blameless is someone who does what is right. In other words, God's word, God's standard of right and wrong. And we look out in our world, and we said this last week, not everybody lives that way, do they? And we talked about last week, even among practicing Christians. Remember us talking about practicing Christians. And there is this growing trend that, um, that many believing Christians believe moral right and wrong is based on what an individual believes. In other words, my truth. This is my truth. They don't see their actions based upon their truth is maybe being lying or maybe cheating. They don't see their actions as being immoral because they live by another standard. Now they may look at other things and say, now this is really the standard of what real character is about. And, and they may say, well, sexual immorality, that one I don't have a problem with, but who you vote for, that's, that's the real test of morality and so we have these things and everybody has their own setup of what they believe is a is right or wrong but the psalmist tells us that God has that standard for us it's not based on our value system it's based on what God has to say to us and he believes that there is a standard of right and wrong that is for the same for all of creation it doesn't change with the individual, but it's set in place by God. And it, it's something where we can look at and we study and we get into God's word and we can say before God, oh Lord, I'm blameless. Now I'll be honest with you. That bothered me for years, reading the Psalms. I mean, anybody, anybody want to come up here and you just say before everybody here, you know what, I'm blameless. Or before your peers, I'm blameless. Much less before the Almighty God. 
I'm blameless. Because we say, yeah, you know what, you're right, what you said before, I've got flaws. There are some inconsistencies in my life at times. But when the psalmist uses that word blameless, and actually what the Hebrew means for blameless is not how we're looking at it. It doesn't mean perfection. It is a word that means whole. It means entire. It means free of blemish. It doesn't mean sinless perfection, but someone who's working constantly for the very thing that we say we believe. Okay? And so when we fail, we're going to do whatever is necessary to get back on track. We're not going to point it at someone else. We're not going to make excuses. We're going to say, you know what? I was wrong. And I need to do what is right. And I need to get back to where I need to be. Godly character is not based on a few isolated actions. And this is important for some of you to hear because some of you have probably beat yourself up for years because you've done something, because, because you've done what we call a, a big sin, right? That's the way we sometimes, you know, this is a big one. But here's the thing, we're not, we're not judged based on these certain incidences or isolated situations of our actions, but the whole the whole of our lives. King David. He's, man, come on. He was the greatest king. He's a guy who had great integrity. He was a man after God's own heart. Did he have flaws? Did he mess up? Mm. He messed up big time. And not just Bathsheba, but also having Bathsheba's husband killed. And then later on, he brags about his army. But, but the whole of his life is that this is a guy of great integrity. And you could, you could flip that. You could look at King Ahab. King Ahab, one time he did something that was noble at the end of his life. But if you look at the whole of his life, um, whoops, but if you look at the whole of his life, he was a bad dude. So it's not based on isolated bad things you've done or isolated good things you've done and then you've done a lot of bad in your life. It's about the whole of our life. That's how we stand before God and say, Oh Lord, I'm blameless before you. I'm striving with everything I've got. I know I'm going to make mistakes. And when I make those mistakes, I'm going to do everything I can to get back into the grace that you want me to be in. You know, in the Bible days... Um, it took several hours for a master potter to mold, to fire up, and then finally cool down a piece of pottery. But because of the, these old furnaces, they didn't, they didn't burn evenly most of the time. And so what would happen is, as it started to cool down, cracks would develop. And a true potter, they would destroy that piece and then they would start over again. But there were some potters who decided, well, instead of starting over and taking all that time again, I'm going to put some wax in those cracks, and then I'm going to paint over the whole thing. And then they would sell it, and everything would be great for the first several times that they would use it, but eventually the, the wax would melt from the heat, and eventually those cracks would come out. And that's why the, these master potters, these honest potters, they would put on the bottom of their pottery without wax. And it meant that this was a vessel of integrity. And it also is telling them, I'm a person of integrity. 
And we talk about being a, a, a godly character, living a blameless life. We're talking about we're people who are without wax. We're not pretenders. We're not perfect. We know that we have cracks, but we don't cover those things up. We fix it. We do what is necessary. And if you look at Psalm 15, he goes on and he, and he says, this, living this blameless kind of life is about your speech. You're someone who speaks the truth in your heart. In other words, you speak with sincerity. You speak a truth that you want other people to understand it. It's not about just, you know, throwing this truth out there and, and, and just, you know, blasting people away and saying, well, I'm just telling you the truth. You ever met people like that? Do they really want you to know the truth or are they just wanting to, to hit you with the truth? But a person of integrity, they speak it from their heart. That's a different thing. And he also says in verse 3, speaking of speech, they refuse to gossip. They refuse to harm their neighbors. They refuse to speak evil of their friends. Their conversations are truthful. They're positive. They build each other up instead of tearing people down. And by the way, these are just some more stuff from our church covenant. You know, I'm going to strengthen the reputation of my church. How do I do that? One is by our integrity, by living a godly life. And in there we said refusing to gossip. Because that's, that's what we are to be. That's who we are supposed to be. Disciples represent Jesus. And a lack of integrity destroys our testimony before the world. We say that we are in a place of grace. We tell people that we are fallen folks and that we need God's, uh, God's miracle of his own workmanship in order for us to be saved. But sometimes we don't give people the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes we relish when other people stumble. Usually it's to divert attention from ourselves. You keep going. Verse 4. And he tells us people of integrity, they despise blatant sinners and they honor faithful followers of the Lord. A true disciple of the Lord, they hate what's evil. They hate what God hates. They love what God loves. They understand that there is a difference between good and evil. There is a difference between something that is holy and irreverent. They choose their close friends carefully because they don't want someone who's going to pull them away from this relationship that they have in Christ. And if you're wondering if that person is you, then I want you to just sit here and just think for a second. Get, get these people in mind. Who is it that you admire? What kind of people do you admire? Get, get some people specifically in your mind. Who is it that you admire? Who is it that the people that you want to be like? And now ask yourself this, are they a person of high integrity? And maybe, maybe they're not, they don't have, you know, this Bible backing, but, but do they even work hard? Do they sacrifice for their families? Do they, do they want to help other people? You see, a lot of times... We admire these other folks because it's exciting. They, they do exciting things. You know, these could be sports people. These could be, you know, uh, movie stars. It could be whoever, whoever it is that are out there. But are these people of high integrity? 
And just because something is exciting doesn't mean it's going to lead you in the right path. We've got to be people who say, you know what, I'm going to choose the things and the people that are going to be closest to me to be people who are godly. I want them to be people who love God. I want them to be people who encourage me in, in doing what's good and making sure that, that I try to, to be the best person that I can be. Also, a person of godly character, they're trustworthy. Now, this is interesting. And, and we read it at first, and it says, who swears to his own hurt and does not change. In other words, he's willing to keep his oath even when it means personal hurt or loss. In other words, not only does a person of integrity do what they say, but they do it even when it's costly to them. It's easier to do what we promise to do when everything's working out to our benefit, right? But what happens when it becomes costly to us? What happens when it, it, it seems to be, you know, uh, you're getting bored with it. You know, and it could be, we could see this in a lot of different ways. I get so aggravated with these, these sports athletes, and I look at this as just a lack of integrity. When they sign a contract for so many years, and then halfway through that contract, they think they're worth more. And they will sit out until they get paid more. They're given a better contract. And you know what? They may be better. They now may be the best wide receiver or the best running back or the best basketball player that there is out there. But are you going to honor what you said you were going to honor? It may cost you some money in doing it right, although I don't feel too sorry for those guys. Um, they're probably making pretty good with their old contracts. But are, are these high character, are we high character? What about the customer who doesn't want to pay their bills because, you know what, they, they've added up a bunch of stuff and, you know what, it ended up being more than they thought it was going to be. And, and so they're going to make them come and hound us. They're, you know what, they're, go, we're, they're going to have to come to me and they're going to have to work out a deal or we're going to be a person of integrity and say, you know what, I may not be able to do some things for a while, but I'm going to pay this off. It's a person who shows up to do a job that they agreed to maybe, you know, weeks before, but in that time they were given a better offer to do something else. And a person of integrity says, you know what, I'm going to do what I said I was originally going to do, even though it may cost me some money, even though it may cost me a better opportunity. It's a person who remains faithful to their spouse. When all of a sudden they may get some sickness that's going to affect them for the rest of their lives. And you know what? Marriage just isn't as much fun as it used to be. We just can't do the things we hope that we're always going to do. But a person of integrity says, I'm going to stick with that person because I made a covenant before God with them. People of godly character, these things matter. Something else that matters is how they handle their money. Um... How we use our money, it reveals a lot about our character, doesn't it? People of integrity, they want to use their money in helping other people when they can. Um, rather than using people in order to line their own pockets. Now, this doesn't mean that it's wrong to charge interest on a loan. 
And if you read the law of God, this is why it's always good to read that, because you kind of get an idea of where God's coming from on these things. What he talks about is, look, if there's somebody that's in need, you don't go and charge them these interests that they can't, they can't do. And it's going to put them into some servitude, and it's going to line your pockets because you're lining it off of people that are doing the best that they can. Don't take advantage of people. A godly person is someone who says, I can't be bought. Missy and I, we just we, we finished watching a documentary on Netflix called Cocaine Cowboys. I know, you're like talking about this stuff, and you're watching Cocaine Cowboys. But it, it's, a, it's, a, it's about this huge drug bust that happened in Miami uh, back in the 80s, and fascinating just it's really fascinating and it's got everything you would imagine with drug dealers and all this kind of stuff but but one of the things something the first that they had ever found in this case I know I'm, I'm ruining it for you I just ruined this one little bit but but the they paid off one of the guys paid off the the head juror now they've they've heard of people buying off judges. They had heard of people buying off witnesses, and all this is the first case they had seen where they were buying off jurors. And this guy, you know, he gets going to get like a million dollars, and and ends up getting them off for the time. But okay, I won't tell you the rest of it. But anyway, but the point is that this guy he could be bought, and these people were awful people. Proverbs says. Um, that's not what Proverbs says. Proverbs says, tw Proverbs 22, 1 says, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And it's not that you can't have a great name and great riches, but it means when it comes down to, you got to make a decision. Do I want a good name? And I may not have as much over here, or do I want a lot of money and I'm willing to sacrifice my name? Because let me tell you something, that juror, his name is Mud. It's Mud. And, and you know what? We can, we can do these kinds of things that absolutely ruin and tarnish our reputation. And not just our reputation, but anyone who has that last name. You know, we get, I won't, I'm, and then I'll really get preaching. So David ends his psalm this way. He says, He who does these things shall never be moved. If people could get up and they could be totally honest about who you are at your funeral, what would they say? And I think all of us, won't, we hope that one day that people are going to look at us and say, that was a person of godly character. That is a person that in their life, they lived in such a way that I saw Jesus at times. Because that's who they were. Now I'm going to tell you this. The psalmist never says that people of integrity are not going to have problems. <laughs> because I'm going to tell you something. If you have high integrity, if you have true godly character, they're coming after you. The world's going to come after you. They don't like it. They're not going to honor you. Your godly character, it may cost you financially, folks. 
You may say, you know what, in my job, it may be something my boss wants me to do or I'm asked to do something that I know is illegal. I know it's like borderline stuff here or, you know what, it's something that's really going to hurt another person. And you just got, you got to make a decision right then and you may lose your job. And in those times, that's where it's great. You get in there and read about these people of high godly character like Daniel. Daniel, he's taken off to Babylon. And he made a determination. He says, I am not going to allow myself to be defiled in Babylon. I'm not going to allow it. And he began to make these choices that, that, he, that because he made those choices, he began to suffer. And those of you who grew up going to children's Bible class... You may remember one of the things that happened to him. Remember Daniel in the lion's den? It's because of his integrity that he was put into that place. But here's the thing. Even though we're gonna, we may suffer because of our godly character, and we will, what we learn is, the Bible tells us, it's just going to develop more character in us. Romans chapter 5, 3, and 4, it says not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. And our character is what produces hope. Person of, of integrity, they are people who live without regret. You're able to go home every night and put your head on your pillow, and you're able to sleep. And despite how you're treated in this world, the world will eventually respect you. You may say, whoa, 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 isn't that a contradiction what you just said? No, no, no. The world's not going to honor you, but eventually they will respect you. They may not agree with you, but they can learn to respect you. You know, King Darius. King Darius is a great example of this. He's the one that had to throw Daniel into prison because Daniel broke his decree. And we see that he is in distress about this whole situation. Why is he so distressed about this? He says earlier, it's because he was a guy who had an excellent spirit. He's speaking to his character. And the next morning, after being thrown into the lion's den, guess who is the first guy that runs down there to check on Daniel? It's King Darius. And the very first words out of his mouth are simply this. He says, oh, Daniel, servant of the living God. Do you think he knew who he served? Do you think he knew where he, he got his character from? Yeah. He says, listen, has, has your God that you serve continually, has he been able to deliver you from the lions? Isn't that great? Now, he's not believing in this God. He's not following this God. Darius is not. But he... He knows who Daniel is, and because of that, look, watch this. Because of that, Daniel is able to testify to the goodness of God. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me because I have found, was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. And that's what people are going to find out with us. When we have godly character, we're not trying to harm other people. And they're going to know that. And they're going to fight against us. And they're going to say all kinds of hateful things about us. But in the end, they know we haven't harmed you. And we're only serving the living God. 
How do you become a person of integrity? It, it happens by allowing ourselves to be more and more controlled by God's Spirit. Ask God to reveal those things in your life where you are missing the mark. This is what we talked about last week and you know in that challenge. Pray to God, God, let me, where am I messing up here? What is it in my life that, you know what, I'm not getting this thing right? And then you just aim at those weaknesses. Because I just want to be more and more like, more like Christ. And get this, when you pursue godly character, you will be blessed. Now, the blessing may or may not be of financial but I promise you this, it will, you will be blessed somehow, and it will be a compass that guides you in everything you do in your life. People in our community should know that this church, when we say the Vero Beach Church of Christ, they should say, you know what? I may not agree with everything they agree with, but you know what? Those people that I've met from there, they're honest. And they're kind. And they're ethical. They're generous people. They're people who, they hate what is evil. They love what is good. They refuse to let bad influences corrupt them. We should be known as people of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and humility and yet we should also be known as those people that we stand our ground when, when, we are, when we are persecuted, when we are criticized, when other people disagree with us. We're people of integrity. We're like a tree that's planted by the waters. That's Revelation, I mean, Psalm 1. The whole disciple is about following Jesus. It's about being a follower of Jesus. We live our lives in study of God's word and then putting it into action, living according to the will of God in our lives. Who shall sojourn in your tent, O Lord? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? It's a person of godly character. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come before you with very humble hearts. And Father, we know that we have needed you to save us from ourselves, to save us from the flesh and the things that we desire to do that are not right. But Father, just help us. We know we're not perfect, but Father, may we stand before you blameless. May you be with everybody in this church, everybody that can hear my voice right now. Father, just help us. And if we haven't been lifting up your reputation, Father, May we begin this very day. May we be the people that you want us to be. May we be those who constantly just can't get enough of your word. And we just, we just want to be more and more like you. Father, we pray that your spirit will help us and guide us and, and make us uncomfortable in those times where we're making bad decisions. And Father, may we make the right choices in those moments. But Father, we are so thankful that you saved us. We're so thankful that we can come before you this day and we await the great day when all evil will be finally removed. Until then, Father, help us to be your family. Help us to be your community here in, in, right here in this town. And may we live a life that others will see you 
They will see your son in every way. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.